Hey, what's going on? Welcome to another episode of Locked on Raptors. I am Sean Woodley, and today marks the return of basketball to Toronto. Oh my God! On today's show, as the preseason gets started tonight, we are going to run through the three biggest storylines that I'm keeping an eye on as the free, or not the free agency, the preseason period begins here. We're going to talk about Scotty Barnes. We're going to talk about the center rotation. We're going to talk, of course, about OG Ananobi, fill you in on some of the stuff that happened over the weekend as the team went to London for an open practice and so much more coming up on today's special return to Toronto edition of Locked on Raptors coming up in just one sec. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked on Raptors, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on and welcome to episode number 1028 of Locked on Raptors for Monday, October the 4th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show on your favorite podcast platforms as well, free across all platforms. And you can find us on YouTube. Please subscribe, uh, tell a friend about the YouTube page. We're inching closer to 800 subs. We want to get to that thousand mark, which means special, fun, nice things for my ego and all that. Uh, but in the meantime, let's push it towards 800. Thank you to everybody who has subscribed, uh, and thank you for making us your first listen of the day as well. All right, on today's show, it's a big day. It's been 584 days since last the Toronto Raptors played a game in Toronto. I remember covering that game February 28th, 2020. It was big deal. The Raptors were playing the Hornets. It was their last day before going on a road trip. Of course, we would not see them return to Toronto to play any games after that. Uh, I also had a weird personal stake in that whole thing because I was on schedule to uh, become the Raptors feature writer of the month going into March of 2020. I still did the job, but didn't get to cover a single home game for the team during my time employed by the team, which I think is some kind of weird, unprecedented record. Either way, really excited to have the Raptors back tonight. I'll be there tonight covering the game for you as well. You'll see recaps written at Raptors HQ. We'll recap it on the podcast tomorrow. But before we get into the preseason for today, we should probably, uh, you know, run through some of the things that you should be looking for to prime you for tonight's game against the Philadelphia 76ers as the Sixers come to town. Just to note, no Danny Green ring ceremony tonight. He will have to wait once again. The Sixers' first regular season game in Toronto is December 28th. So expect finally at long last, two and a half years later for Danny Green to get his ring on December 28th. But uh, we have preseason to talk about here. So yeah, we're going to dig into some big storylines. We're going to talk about Scotty Barnes. We're going to talk about just basically the things I'm watching for most as the preseason gets going. We're going to talk about the center rotation, OG, all the fun stuff. But we should reflect upon what happened over the weekend as the Raptors went down to London, Ontario, kind of near my stomping grounds here in Hamilton. I wasn't able to make it down to cover it, but uh, they were in London for an open practice in solidarity with the Muslim community in London, Ontario. Of course, that a horrible, horrible terrorist attack that took place earlier on this year that left a young boy without a family. Uh, and the Raptors 
took it upon themselves to go down there and uh, do this weekend in support of the Muslim community in London, Ontario. Very cool stuff that they did, and we got some really cool sort of clips and rumors and all this stuff from the game that the two teams played. It was an inter-squad game that went down. I don't really know the results. I didn't get to see the game, obviously, not being there, but I did see some clips. I saw OG Ananobi crossovers and step-backs. I saw uh, Scotty Barnes doing Scotty Barnes things, people sending in clips from all over the arena there. That was really cool to see. Some news that that came out of the weekend. However, some injury notes to keep in mind going into tonight's game. Uh, Gary Trent Jr. is questionable for the game against the Sixers with left quad soreness. Uh, doesn't seem like it's going to be anything major, but enough to keep him out. Chris Boucher is going to miss the game. He dislocated his left middle finger. Also doesn't sound like that's something that's going to keep him out for a very long time. And then Ken Birch uh, with health and safety protocols is out as well. So, uh, and then obviously Pascal Siakam still coming back from that shoulder injury will not be available likely until November. So, no Boucher, no Birch are the two big ones, and maybe no Trent. I would imagine if you're questionable the day before a preseason game, you're probably not going to play. It just doesn't seem worth the risk, and they play five preseason games this year as opposed to the three they had last year, so there will be time to get Trent in here. I'm going in expecting him not to play, uh, but that leads me to the three biggest storylines I'm keeping an eye on going into the preseason here. Number one is, I think everyone's number one, is Scotty Barnes, baby. We want to see what Scotty Barnes is going to do. I'm really fascinated to see how they use him from Jump Street. We heard on Media Day, Nick Nurse talk about how he wanted to use Scotty Barnes a lot, get him all the reps he could, all the high leverage minutes he could, and see what he's got. You know, it's one thing for a coach to say that on media day, it's another thing for a coach to actually implement that once you get into a season, but there's no reason not to give Scotty Barnes a ton of leeway in the preseason to see what he's got. There were rumors of him hitting pull-up 18-foot jumpers uh, in in London. I love the whispers coming out of London, the people who were covering it, the people who were watching it. It was all delightful, but, you know, are they going to let Scotty Barnes kind of do the Scotty Barnes point guard thing that he did with Florida State last season? Obviously, he's not a point guard on this team coming in with you know, obviously Fred and Malachi Flynn and Goran Dragic ahead of him in the nominal point guard depth chart, but will they kind of give him some of those secondary ball handling, you know, jobs, you know, without Pascal Siakam, they are lacking ball handling. I don't know if it's fair to expect a rookie who's 20 years old to be ready to handle the ball at an NBA level right away, but why not throw him to the fire in the first game and see what he's got and see what kind of different elements to his ball handling he might have. Can he run a pick and roll? Does he have chemistry with his bigs? Can he drive and kick? All that stuff's going to be important. Can he post up? I mean, he's enormous. The Raptors don't really have like a traditional post-up threat, but you still have to have that threat to your game in some way. Obviously, Pascal's quite good at it, but other than that, there's not really one on the team. And Scotty Barnes is huge. Maybe that's something he can leverage and become a passer out of the post. All of the possibilities are there. It's the first preseason game, so why not envision all of the very fun possibilities? I think, you know, I'm also really interested to see how they use Scotty Barnes on the defensive side of the ball. Like, are they going to instantly just kind of put him on anybody and say, go nuts and defend whoever you happen to be guarding? Um, you know, we saw in the first summer league game, he took the opening tip as the center for the team and then guarded the point guard in the very first possession. So I, I think it's going to be really fun watching how they mix and match. Obviously, there's plenty of options for the Raptors to throw on the best wing players, the best ball handlers for the other teams. And I'm really fascinated to see 
if they kind of lean on Scotty, is maybe their number one defender this season. We know OG is going to scale up his offensive usage, and maybe to preserve him a little bit for those matchups you really need him for, maybe Scotty becomes the go-to guy to guard the best wings on the other team. That, that, that could be something we see tonight. Obviously, not a ton in terms of wings that you want to be guarding on the Sixers right now. Obviously, no Ben Simmons. He's not yet reported to camp. He didn't get paid last week when he did not report to camp, and that was a big thing. Um, you know, Joel Embiid, obviously, is a very different animal than a lot of the best players on other teams. How the Raptors defend him without a center and without Ken Birch as well will be kind of interesting if he does end up going and playing tonight. Um, lots of interesting things. But seeing how Scotty Barnes kind of fits into that defensive fold is what I'm fascinated by because even if his offense is not quite there, he seems to be someone who from day one can be an impact defender. Like, on the level of, say, Matisse Thibel when he first came into the NBA with the Sixers. Of course, he made all defense in his second season. Shouldn't have made it, but that's fine. He's really, really good. He was excellent in his first year as well. We rarely see it with guys becoming amazing defenders out of the gate, but Scotty seems to kind of have the tools and the wherewithal to be that right away. And so I'm really curious to see, does he just get the full sort of positionless treatment tonight? On offense, is he handling the ball? Is he screening? Is he being used as a center without Ken Birch? Is there extra center sort of minutes and, and touches there available for a guy like Barnes? And then on the defensive side, is he guarding ones? Is he guarding Embiid? Is he, you know, part of like a wing crew? Is he, you know, uh, working in zones? It's going to be really interesting to see how they deploy Scotty Barnes. So for me, that is clearly the number one thing to watch for tonight. You know, I wouldn't expect huge things, obviously. It's the first preseason game. And even if you do see huge things, remember, it's the preseason. It might not really carry over to the regular season. We saw last year, for example, Malachi Flynn, a month off of being drafted, looking better than LaMelo Ball in the preseason. And then, of course, he had a really tough start in his NBA career before finding himself later in the year. So don't put too much stock into what we see, but I am fascinated by just the usage of Scotty Barnes and where he's positioned on the floor. That, to me, is the number one storyline going into the preseason for the Raptors, among many really interesting storylines. And we're going to get to more of those coming up in just a second, including Precious Achua and the center rotation. Without Ken Birch available because of the COVID protocols, where does Precious Achua fit into all this? And can he maybe sneakily make a bid for a starting job? All of that, we'll get to that in one second here. We're also going to talk about OG in the final segment of the show. But before we get to that, I want to tell you about our friends over at Sleeper. It's fantasy basketball season. The season's getting going in just a couple weeks here. Preseason's getting rolling. You're going to be able to see players and maybe sort of get in your mind who you want to be drafting in your drafts. And Sleeper has come up with a brand new way of playing fantasy basketball. It's called Game Pick, and it's only available on Sleeper. And it really addresses the big problem of fantasy basketball for someone like me, who doesn't like to check every single day and set my lineup every day and worry about who's playing when and how many games is X player playing. All of that is gone with game pick because you just choose one day one game per week for each of your starters to count towards your team's total score ensuring an even number of games played between opponents it takes away the mindless busy work every single day and it gives you more strategy to choose from obviously you're picking the games that you're going to use based on matchups and home versus away and opponent defensive rating and place of play and all that stuff as well all of that adds up to more strategy and less busy work for your fantasy basketball league. Whether you prefer a redraft, keeper, or dynasty, Game Picks has you covered. Sleeper, crack the fantasy basketball code. If you play fantasy football and like the weekly kind of rhythms of that style of fantasy sports, then Sleeper and Game Picks are for you. Download the Sleeper app and start a league with your friends today. You will not be disappointed. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at DirecTV Stream. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, and you watch your sports live highlights on your phone or your laptop or whatever it might be, and you've got one 
password from your neighbor's best friend for the really good stuff, well, guess what? You don't have to worry about having all these disparate TV entities anymore because DirecTV Stream is here to get your TV together. It brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part is there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. All right, let's continue on here with some of our biggest storylines for the preseason. And this next one, this is kind of an overarching thing for when Kem Birch gets back as well, but it's certainly interesting tonight with no Kem Birch available. I'm really fascinated by how the Raptors use their centers this year, and the preseason might give us a bit of a glimpse as to what it's going to look like. Obviously, the Raptors... The center position was mostly a wash last season. There was not a lot to be gleaned from it. Late in the season, yes, Kem Birch looked really good. Freddie Gillespie had some moments, but it really didn't tell us a whole lot because those were garbage time games in the back part of a lost season where half the team was missing because of COVID. And it's hard to really know what was real and what was fake about the finish to last year. We also know that the last time the Raptors had effective centers, they were incredibly valuable to what the Raptors did, whether it was Marc Gasol with his elbow passing and his picking and popping for three, whether it was Serge Ibaka kind of becoming a way better role guy by the time he left Toronto and obviously being another pick and pop guy, both from the mid and three-point range. Like, those were huge parts of what the Raptors did in those two very successful seasons in 2019-20 and then 2021. And even dating back to Jonas Valanciunas, you know, he had his issues, obviously, defensively more than anything else, but he was a huge part of that offense, became a, a really reliable role guy by the time he left, was a guy they would just go to throw it to in the post and see if he could score, got a little better at passing out of the post as things went on, never really kind of mastered that, but they like to use their centers. There's a history of Raptors, Raptors teams and coaches wanting to use their centers in what they do, and I really can't wait to see how they deploy Ken Birch and Precious Achua. Let's start with Precious Achua, because he's actually going to play tonight. Presumably will start at center with no Ken Birch available. He spoke last week to the media and talked about the need for him to start shooting threes and for him to be positionless and all this stuff. He really seems to be buying into the whole Vision 6'9 thing, which is great. I really am curious to see... Is Precious Achua used as a role man? Is he used as a pick-and-pop guy? Do they trust him to do that right now? Have they seen enough from him in terms of work on the shot and practice that they're willing to, you know, utilize it in-game? That's really fascinating to me. I think on defense, you know, he's going to be someone who fits into a very switchable scheme. If they want to go super big and play like a Barnes, Ananobi, Siakam when he's healthy, and Achua lineup, I mean, that could be just an absolute nightmare defensively. But... The effectiveness of those lineups offensively might hinge on what Precious Achua can do. We saw last year having a non-entity on offense at center was problematic for the team. There was, you know, space being clogged up, someone usually in the way of a Pascal Siakam post-up or drive in the form of Aaron Baines more often than not. And when you don't have that extra outlet, when there's just a guy on the floor who's a nothing offensively, that makes it that much more difficult for everybody else. And we saw that last year with Pascal often just driving into multiple bodies and, you know, the help defender would lean off of Baines because why would you worry about Aaron Baines? He's not even going to catch the big-to-big pass if one comes to him. And so Siakam was seeing two, three bodies four to six limbs every time he drove into the paint. And if you now have centers who you can space out and use in different ways and you can put them on the perimeter, stick them in the corner, use them as screeners and actually count on them to be reliable offensive players in those screen and roll actions, 
that's going to open up things for everybody else. And so seeing how actively involved those centers are is going to be fascinating. It also will keep Pascal from having to, you know, as much as I want Pascal to be a pick and roll guy, either running it or screening in it all the time, you can't have it every single time. You got to have some diversity to things. And so having that outlet as a big man who can actually do things with the ball and keep the play moving along and score and finish, that stuff's going to be so important, I think, to kind of greasing the wheels of what should be an offense that struggles to score. And if there's a center there who can kind of just drop a little grease in there, that might make things a little bit less difficult in the half court for the Raptors, especially compared to last season where things were always kind of feeling like it was four on five. So Achua and where he rolled, falls into that is fascinating. And then Birch as well. You know, we saw a lot from Birch last season that I don't think anyone's really seen, that I don't think Kem Birch even knew he really had in his bag. It was also new to him getting, you know, development and time to try out new things, which he never seemed to get in Orlando. And he spoke about it, about how he was kind of just viewed as what he was and wasn't really viewed as being something that could be, you know, advanced into something more. The Raptors obviously disagree with that. Birch really took to the extra responsibility last year. We saw him passing out of the out of the short roll. We saw him shooting some threes, although it wasn't terribly effective. I think he came in at 26 or 29% with the Raptors on the season. A couple nice games here and there, though. I think the last couple of games kind of soured his percentages with the small sample and all that. But after a summer of working on it more, knowing it's something the Raptors are going to want from him and that they've traditionally wanted from their centers... Can Kem Birch really kind of slide into that starting center role and do enough things to make it a very clear, like, okay, Ken Birch is a starter and it's not really a question. If he can't do all those things, if there is a bit of a drawback and a regression from what we saw in the back part of last season, maybe we see Achua steal that starting job by season's end. I think that's an interesting sort of subplot. I was asked a couple of weeks ago who the most likely starter to lose their starting gig is. I think it's Gary Trent still if Goran Dragic kind of slides in there and surprises, but I think obviously the second most likely one is Birch to Achua, and I don't think that's a bad thing. If Achua's playing well enough that he has been named in dubbed the starter of the team, I think that's really good. That means you've done something well with the Chua's development in the short time that he's been in the Raptors incubator. Um, you know, it, how they use Birch, I think, will be a little bit different than Achua. You know, Achua's still obviously so raw and new to this, and I don't think he's really got the sort of chops to be a passer just yet. And Birch, we saw a little bit of it last year. He averaged a couple assists a game after he came over to Toronto. Maybe he can kind of be the vehicle by which they run more of that elbow offense that they used to run through Marcus Gasol and Jonas Valanciunas when he was with the team as well, especially in that back season, the last season, that the last full season of Jonas, the culture reset 2017-18, where they had Jonas passing from the elbows a ton and then using that you know, to create option plays. Think back to that play against the Bucks, where he goes in, fakes the handoff, and then goes up for a dunk uh, that should have been an and one in the win against the Bucks, and it wasn't called an and one. But that's fine, no problem. I'm not, I'm not mad about it. Still, um, either way. We know the Raptors like to use their bigs in their elbow offense. They even tried to do it with, with Baines last season under Chris Finch when they kind of revamped their offense. I really am curious to see if Kem Birch is entrusted to make that kind of contribution to the Raptors offense, or is he going to be more of a sort of standard screen and dive center? I think they want to expand him a little bit more than that. I think it really is in their best interest to at least see what they got. So obviously Birch won't be there tonight, but once he does get back in the lineup and is out of the COVID protocols, I really can't wait to see how they deploy Birch and how they deploy Achua. Obviously not the same heights that you're going to get from Gasol and Ibaka, but I do think they have a chance of being a really, really steady rotation at center and offering the team that 48 minutes of good center play that really was the thing they could count on under Ibaka and Gasol. Could not count it at all last season, and I'm curious to see if they trust it to 
Chua and Birch to kind of carry the share of the load. Obviously, if things don't go well, they have some options. They can go small. They can play Chris Boucher when he's healthy. Maybe they try Scotty Barnes. OG can obviously obviously slide down to the fly five. But I think you kind of keep everybody fresher. You keep your options away more sort of robust as well if you can get really really good production out of Chua and Birch. So that's the number two storyline I'm really fascinated by going into this preseason. We're going to continue on. I'm going to talk about OG next, uh, which maybe should be the number one, but I wanted to talk about Scotty first, and that kind of dovetailed into the center conversation because I do think Scotty's going to play some center, maybe even tonight. But OG is obviously a big one to watch going into tonight's game as well and the preseason overall. So we'll get to that in one second. But before we do that, I want to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar who are making delicious tasting protein bars with wonderful flavors, and they're good for you as well. That's the elevator pitch, the very short elevator pitch. Get Built Bars. They're good for you. They taste good all of that good stuff. So when you go to Built Bar, you're going to be able to find all the flavors there. They have nine staple flavors in the regular lineup. They also have bonus flavors that appear from time to time for a limited time, including Cookie Dough Chunk. Grasshopper Cookie's been on there recently as well. Both are excellent, and I highly recommend them both. But the regular flavors are great, too. You've got Mint Brownie, which is my favorite. You've got Strawberry Orange, which is really good. And if you don't know what favorite what your favorite flavor is, you can get a mixed box, two of each of the nine flavors, and you can decide for yourself. Not only are Built Bar flavors great tasting, but they're good for you, too. 17 to 18 grams grams of protein in their bars, calories ranging from just 130 to 180, much less than your standard candy bar, and just four to five grams of sugar and four to five grams of net carbs in each flavor. That is great. All great tasting, all good for you. And uh, great as like a meal replacement, great as a breakfast, a light breakfast is not going to weigh you down, but it'll give you some juice for the day. I highly recommend. Go to built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. That's the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. And that brings me to my final takeaway, my, I guess not a takeaway, the thing I'm looking to take away from the preseason, and that is, what does the OG Ananobi unleashing look like? And it might not be at sort of peak levels in the first preseason game, they might ease him in here, but with no Siakam, with no Trent, with no Boucher, there's no reason not to give OG a ton of touches and just see what he can do with it. We know what Fred Van Vliet is as a point guard. He's reliable as hell. We know it. Obviously, Malachi Flynn's going to get some run, and I'm curious to see how he's going to handle it. Does he look like he did in the preseason last year? Does he make good on the sort of vibes we got in Summer League where he was very clearly too good for Summer League? Does that carry over? That's another sort of subplot to watch here, but how much do they just say, all right, OG, go run the offense, and see what we can do and like throw Raptors fans into a fit of like delirium in the process. If he pulls off some good stuff, I I think, you know, much like I want to see them just throw everything at Scotty Barnes and see what sticks and see what he can do. I'm kind of okay doing that with OG as well. Have him run pick and roll, have him screen in the pick and roll and work in the short roll, have him work as an off ball guy that you're setting screens for and trying to get open on the move. Like he used to with Norman Powell, for example, where he was able to really kind of use that extra space to get downhill and become a great at rim threat. If you're trying to find ways to grease things up, those off ball screens that give those little extras of extra glimmers of hope for guys to make some space, that could be useful for OG as well, because we know his sort of first step is not necessarily his number one skill in the bag, although maybe it is. We haven't seen what he's looked like yet outside of a couple clips. And those clips that came out of London this week looked really damn encouraging. The one that I think I've watched like 15 times is OG uh, looking like he's going to drive 
doing a crossover, stepping back for three, about six feet. It was James Harden-like, and it was gorgeous. And look, it's one clip. He might have done that six times in the game and had it worked one time, but that one time was enough to make me very excited and make me want to see him do that all the time in these preseason games just to see what he's got. Like, why not? There's nothing to lose, and OG is going to be such a big part of the early part of the season if the Raptors really do want to win games and compete, which I think they do. The vehicle, the avenue to do that is through OG taking on that extra burden and becoming a guy who can be a go-to scorer while Pascal Siakam is out. It's a lot to ask of a guy who's never averaged more than 16 a game, but we saw down the stretch last season, after Norm Powell got traded, the extra possessions that were funneled his way and how well he did with them, you're just going to have to funnel more possessions his way with no Siakam, and I really am encouraged to see what might happen. And look, they might go poorly. He might get shut down. There might be a particular, maybe Matisse Thiebel guards him tonight, and it just doesn't go well for him. That's also fine. You need to have those growing pains. You need to take the time to see if he can adjust. And, you know, he sees that really great defensive attention from the first day and then in the next game, where they're playing the Sixers again. Can he adapt to that and sort of alter his bag and continue improving? That's going to be really interesting. I can't wait to see it. It's really the thing that I think kind of hinges, the season hinges most upon this, right? So why not give OG all he can early on in the season? And I'm also interested, much like I am with Scotty Barnes, they're kind of entwined a little bit, Scotty and OG this season. I'm interested to see where OG's defensive responsibilities lie. Again, the Sixers might not be the best example to use here because they don't have a dominant wing ball handler, but they do have Joel Embiid. OG has been used in the past in some of those junk defenses they've thrown at him. Do they ask him to do that a lot, or does Scotty take on a lot of that burden? Again, they're kind of intertwined here because the arrival of Scotty, I think, frees up OG to do a little bit more offensively and kind of get further into his bag, as it were, and expend more energy there. So how OG is incorporated into the Raptors' defense is also fascinating. We heard Bobby Webster say on Media Day that the goal with OG is to scale things up while also maintaining his crazy all-defensive level. I still think that's attainable, but obviously it's hard to ask the exact same level of defense to hold up when a guy is going from being an 18% usage guy to like a 25% usage guy, which I kind of expect at least early on in the season. That is going to be, again, a huge subplot here, and whether or not he can kind of adapt and you know, preserve the energy or, or, or what are they doing with him on defense and how is his role changed by the arrival of Scotty Barnes and Precious Achua as well, I think to an extent is going to be someone they lean on to defend good players who are bigger as well, just to give Siakam and OG that break because every extra bit of energy the Raptors have on the offensive end is going to go a long way to ensuring that their half-court offense doesn't suck. And that was obviously the biggest concern for the team last year. So lots of things to watch. Some other little minor subplots where does Goran Dragic fit into all this? Does he start tonight if Gary Trent doesn't go? Is he able to kind of make a case for that starting job in the starting five with Pascal not available and a need for extra ball handling very clearly there? How does he look and does he look kind of, you know, 35 or does he look like he's ready to be a great contributor for the team? That's going to be fascinating. I'm really curious to see Malachi Flynn, of course, and where he slots into all these things. And Fred Van Vliet, too. I mean, again, he's kind of the known commodity here. We know what Fred is more than anybody else on the team, honestly. But how does he adapt to having maybe new ball handlers he's playing off of? Does he play off of Flynn and Dragic when he plays with one of them? Does he play off of, you know, Scotty Barnes and OG and let them cook and then use their leverage to get those wide-open three-point opportunities that he's so deadly on 
That's going to be really interesting too. We're going to continue to talk about all of these fascinating storylines as the preseason goes along. Vivek Jacobs is going to come on the show tomorrow. We're going to break down the first preseason game and go through our biggest takeaways from the game and all that. But just wanted to kind of run through those main storylines today to get you ready to watch the game tonight. And if you're looking to sort of key in on particular players, which is I think I like to do in the preseason, is not so much watch the game, is just watch particular players for, you know, 10, 15, 20 possessions at a time. Uh, you know, I just gave you the guys to watch, so you're welcome for that. That's going to do it for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please subscribe to, rate, review, tell a friend. The podcast is free on all platforms, and very thankful that you've made us your first listen for today. Your second listen should be Locked on NBA, as they are covering everything you need to know ahead of the NBA season, covering the saga in Philadelphia with Ben Simmons. The Nets obviously continue to have issues. The Andrew Wiggins got vaccinated. That's great. I'm sure they'll talk about that as well, and how that changes the Warriors' fortunes, knowing he'll be available for their home games. All that will be unlocked on NBA, which should be your second list in today after you finish with this show. Uh, again, please subscribe uh, to the YouTube page, uh, tell a friend, rate, review, all that good stuff. It's always very much appreciated. And that will do it for today's show. We'll talk to you again on Tuesday, breaking down the first preseason game in Toronto. If you're going to the game, have an amazing time. Get loud. It's the first time back in Toronto in 584 days. All that pent-up energy should just be like flowing out of you right now. And they're also the main story in town. The Blue Jays lost yesterday, or they won yesterday, but lost out on the wild card. So it's not a dueling game 163 and Raptors night. The Raptors have center stage. It was very, very fun and cool. And uh, it should be a great time. So... Hopefully you have a great time if you're going to the game, if you're watching the game, whatever it is, enjoy it. You don't get to see this often, a grand return like this. Obviously, the first home game in the regular season might have a little bit more juice to it, but I have a feeling it's going to get pretty damn loud there, even with, I think, a 10,000 capacity at Scotiabank Arena. So enjoy it. We'll talk to you again on Tuesday with a breakdown of the game. Well, and that's, that's it for today. We'll talk to you again tomorrow with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Bye-bye.